Get ready for a one-of-a-kind experience. Welcome, welcome to the Starter Zone, your home for the weekly news from around the world. Your host for this journey, Amanda. I think I'd like cheese with that wine. She's going to bring you everything you need to hear about entertainment, gaming, and maybe just a little bit bizarre. Hold tight, because here she comes. Thank you so much, Raven, for that warm, warm welcome as always. Hello there, my friends. Good day to you all. Welcome to the Starter Zone. I am your guide, Amanda, and it is time to bring you the headlines from all of the entertainment news sources. Today is September the 20th. Here's some of what we're looking at. The NFL came back, but we've already had a pretty major injury. The game engine of Unity is in hot water with the fans and developers. Ashton Kutcher is back for an update. We've got some Gary Busey news of all things, our box office breakdown, and more. Get comfy, everyone. Let's get started. with our NFL news. So NFL star Aaron Rodgers, we know him as the former quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, and he did that from 2005 to 2022. But he was traded to the New York Jets back in April of 23, and it was a move that really echoed his predecessor, Brett Favre. Brett Favre spent 15 years as the quarterback of the Packers, and then he was traded to the Jets as well. Jets fans got super pumped. They were so excited for this move. They believe Rodgers is going to give us a chance to get to the playoffs until opening week of Monday Night Football. So, September 11, 2023, Aaron Rodgers takes the field at MetLife Stadium. He is going to quarterback against the Buffalo Bills. First play, second play, third play, great time, fourth play of the game. Rodgers gets sacked by the Buffalo Bills defensive end Leonard Floyd. His left ankle, his left ankle, it's injured. All right. Rodgers has to be helped off the field. They ended up carting him to the locker room for further evaluation. They put in Zachary Wilson, his backup, and he went on to lead the Jets to a 22-16 win in overtime. All right. So Rodgers goes in for an MRI. September 12th, they confirm Rodgers has sustained a torn Achilles and his first season with the Jets is now over. I don't know that I could have said that one any better myself, honestly. At this point, I think it's fair to wonder about Rodgers' future in the league at this point. Recovering from an Achilles injury, it's not an easy task, especially when you're 39 years old. He had told the press, basically back in August, that he was nearly retired before he went to this darkness retreat earlier this year he ended up signing the three-year deal with the Jets and he said the plan was just for a few years partnership so to me it sounds like he's kind of already on the way out so with this injury maybe two more years if he recovers well enough but he's definitely done for the season oh and by the way 
a darkness retreat. I had to go look this up. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's a prolonged stay in a space that is completely devoid of light. There's no phones, no television, just darkness. There's no sunshine, only darkness. Exactly. Well, the Jets are now tasked with finding Rogers' replacement for the season, but for the moment, it's going to be Zach Wilson. However, a new opponent has entered the race for quarterback. An agent representing none other than Colin Kaepernick has contacted the New York Jets in hopes of landing the former quarterback at NFL Comeback. <laughs> oh, wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. <laughs> yeah, kind of how I felt too. NFL insider Jordan Schultz, who claimed to have spoken with Kaepernick, announced the news uh, back on the 12th of September. He said, I just spoke with Colin, who tells me his agent has reached out to the Jets about his re- desire to make an NFL return. Kaepernick remains on the West Coast working out, unquote. Commenters on the ex-Twitter post express disbelief with the claim, you know, as do I, but you know, let's go on. One person added, maybe if he had not sued the NFL, he would have had a job years ago. He's finished. For reference, Kaepernick played in the NFL for like six seasons from 2011 and 2016 before he opted out of his contract with the San Francisco 49ers and he became a free agent. But Kaepernick became known for taking a knee during the national anthem, which was a protest against police brutality. And it inspired other prominent athletes to do the same, but it drew really strong backlash from many fans who didn't want their sports mixed with their politics. Well, in 2017, Kaepernick sued the NFL, accusing team owners of colluding to keep him out of the league. And he has since been without a team and just became involved in activism. Well, last year in 2022, Kaepernick compared the NFL draft to a slave auction. And then this past March, he accused his adoptive white parents of perpetuating racism against him growing up. you know what go ahead put him in or at least sign him up for a tryout let him prove that he's still quarterback worthy he may very well be in great shape but he's been out of the league for seven years I don't know that he still has it if you could agree that he had it prior to leaving and I don't even know if the fans want to see it anymore In a little bit of music news, Aerosmith is still on tour. I did not know this. They've been together for more than 50 years, which is a lot longer than a lot of marriages these days. But now Aerosmith has announced their final tour. But several dates, they got postponed after frontman Steven Tyler sustained an injury that left him with bleeding vocal cords during their stop at the UBS Arena on September the 9th. That just sounds awful. Tyler shared a statement on Aerosmith's social media saying, I'm heartbroken to say I have received strict doctor's orders not to sing for the next 30 days. I sustained vocal cord damage during Saturday's show that led to subsequent bleeding. We'll need to postpone a few dates 
so that we can come back and give you the performance you deserve. Man, I've had vocal injuries before, but not to that level. So that's just horrific to even think about. But I'm glad he's getting the treatment that he needs to be able to come back on tour. Now, six of their dates had been rescheduled to 2024, starting in January. And I think it's running through the end of February with stops in Detroit, Chicago, Washington, D.C., Toronto, Raleigh and Cleveland. Now, the band has also announced that all previously purchased tickets will be honored on those new dates or refunds will be available at the point of purchase for those who can attend. I'm going to attach the link for the full list of rescheduled dates for those who may need to know. Aerosmith has completed only three of their 40 dates since the tour's launch on September 2nd in Philadelphia. Last December, Aerosmith had to cancel the final two dates of their Las Vegas residency because of an undisclosed illness of Tyler's. But before that, they'd pushed back a whole mess of dates because Tyler had decided to voluntarily enter a treatment program so that the singer could address, I mean, look, he's got addiction issues. We've, we've kind of known that for years, but at least he's trying to address it now. And it was a result of the relapse that he had. He had to have foot surgery, apparently, and the pain medication caused a relapse. So he's addressing those ongoing addiction problems. Get well soon, Mr. Tyler. We definitely need more of that iconic voice. We're not done with you yet. is a cross-platform game engine that was developed by Unity Technologies. They launched it back in 2005, and the whole goal was to democratize game development by making it accessible to more developers. It really helped a lot of indie developers. And many notable games actually use Unity, such as Pokemon Go, Call of Duty Mobile, Beat Saber, and Cuphead. Now, during the first 10 years as a product, the paid versions of Unity were just sold outright, but in 2016, the corporation changed to a subscription model. Unity does have free and paid licensing options. Well, okay, until September 12th, when Unity announced changes to the licensing model, that's going to take effect in January of 2024. Games using the engine will be subject to a runtime fee which is calculated per installation and charged monthly to the developers if they reach the specific revenue and lifetime installation threshold. But Unity stated that monetizing the runtime in this manner is going to be required to allow creators to keep the ongoing financial gains from player engagement. Developers were just, they were concerned, seriously concerned, that they're going to be hit with these huge bills come January, but Unity did make it clear that while it would take a game's previous sales and their downloads into account, it's only going to change, or I'm sorry, it's only going to charge the developers based on activity after that date. The news of this really was just, it was met with a lot of fear from the indie developers that just can't afford these massive bills, a lot of anger, and there's a lot of disgust from the game development community. And the primary complaint is that 
the changes were going to be really harmful, particularly to the solo, the indies, marginalized, and mobile developers. You really are, Stinky Pete, aren't you? Prospector, this isn't fair. And no, no, it doesn't seem fair. But of particular note is the fact that Unity is assessing these fees based on just the number of installs a game has without seeming to account for the many reasons, well, illegal or legal, that a game might have multiple installs without multiple purchases. So after a game meets this threshold for revenue, if the downloads far outstrip its revenue generation, a developer's going to be on a pretty heavy hook to pay. You've got pirated games, the demos, games downloaded across multiple devices. How many of us have multiple computers that we copy our games onto? Uh, games offered on subscription services like Game Pass, these are all potentially affected by these new fees. Developers also took note that Unity is implementing this new fee structure on top of charging yearly subscription fees, and they're removing the cheaper tiers, and they're pushing developers into higher and more expensive ones. So embedded in the announcement was the news that Unity wasn't going to be offering one of their lower tiers called Unity Plus, as of that day, there was no warning. It was, oh, by the way, we shut this down today. So much anger. Now, to clarify, for those who aren't programmers, this is kind of like renting a car. You're paying for the use of the car, and then you have to pay the mileage rate on top of that. So it's fees on top of more fees. In the wake of this hugely controversial price change, Unity actually had to close a number of its offices over what it called a potential threat. You like scary uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? All right, let's be real about this, y'all. These were death threats that they received. So Unity closed their offices in San Francisco and in Austin, Texas. And of course, major finger pointing started. People wondering, who in the world would do this? What developer had the gonads to pull this off? Well, now it's been revealed by police that the threats were actually made by a Unity employee. Yep, it came from the inside. A statement from San Francisco police, which is uh, posted via Polygon, explained that the threat originated from an employee who had made a threat towards his employer using social media. The unnamed employee who made the threat didn't work in the San Francisco office. He didn't work in the Texas, uh, Austin, Texas office. And it's unclear what further action is currently being taken other than the police report file. And now Unity is saying, hey, we've been listening to the fans. We're sorry, blah, 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 blah. We'll share a new update soon-ish in a few days, maybe. I mean, right now it's all literally just rumors. Rumors that they're going to backpedal, rumors that they're going to change some stuff, rumors that the fee structure is going to stay there, but they're going to make it prettier for the developers to get over it. Just a lot of rumors, not a lot of concrete stuff right now other than the whole, we're sorry, we'll do better and we'll come up with something different, you know, just all that stuff. So we'll see. And I'm going to check back later into that story as because this one's a developing story. So as more information comes out, I'll let you know. In smoke. So there's That's this animated series that I had actually go. not heard of before, so I had to do a little bit of research. It's called Stoner Cats. And it's a it was funded by NFTs, those non-fungible token things. It was a series that stars 
uh, Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis, Chris Rock, Jane Fonda, and more. Lots of notable names. And it's a very adult animated series. And it's centered on five house cats who mysteriously become sentient. And with their higher, and I'm going to say that in quotes, higher consciousness, they create this absolute catastrophe, forcing them to repeatedly save their beloved owner, Miss Stoner. Cue all the pot jokes. Is that a joint, man? Like a, a quarter pounder, man. <laughs> Stoner Cats 2 LLC is the LLC in charge, and they sold more than 10,000 of these NFTs for a profit of over $8 million in order to finance the series. But now the LLC has been fined at least $1 million by the Securities and Exchange Commission, or the SEC, for conducting an unregistered offering of crypto asset securities and misleading its investors. Uh-oh. And because of the NFT sales, the SEC said that the series creators, which the Stoner Cats 2 LLC, violated the Securities Act of 1933 by, quote, offering and selling these crypto asset securities to the public in an unregistered offering, not exempt from registration. Okay. In plain English, this LLC is being accused of illegally raising about $8.2 million back in July of 2021 by selling over 10,000 of these little digital pictures for about $800 each. They sold out in 35 minutes. Now they've agreed to pay the $1 million civil fine to settle the charges. They also agreed to destroy all remaining NFTs in their possession. These NFTs refer to the tokens that represent an asset, like the digital art photos. The NFTs allegedly provided holders with exclusive access to watch stoner cats online. Investors were told that these things, these little images were basically like a little ticket and that the more successful the show, the more successful your NFT will be and the more money you can make if you sell it. Now, the SEC did say that the illicit funds were used to pay the voice cast, as well as the animators, the writers, and, you know, others involved in the production. Representatives for Kunis and Kutcher, they haven't yet responded to a request for comments. I think they're a little busy, because you know what? We're not done with Kutcher and Kunis just yet. So the nonprofit company DNA Foundation's was created back in 2009 by Ashton Kutcher and Demi Moore. They were married at the time. But when they divorced in 2012, the name of the organization was changed to THORN, Digital Defenders of Children. And both Kutcher and Moore remained as the founders as well as they maintained seats on the board. The goal of this program, THORN, includes developing technological barriers and initiatives to ensure the safety of kids online and deter sexual predators on the internet. The main focus really is to protect people from human trafficking and child exploitation. Ashton Kutcher has gone in front of Congress before to talk about this. He's very passionate about this subject. And this all sounds fantastic and truly really is. So, okay, what's the issue? Let me take you back to my last episode. We talked about the trial and the sentencing of former 70s show actor Danny Masterson. 
Ashton Kutcher and his wife Mila Kunis. They're both former co-stars. They wrote letters to the judge in the case allegedly requesting leniency in the sentencing of which there really turned out to be no leniency whatsoever. He got the maximum penalty. So amid this public backlash over the letters, Kutcher's now resigned his position on the board of Thorn. Strike three, you're out. Kutcher went on to write this in his letter of resignation, which was published in full by Time magazine. Quote, after my wife and I spent several days of listening, personal reflection, learning, and conversations with survivors and the employees and leadership at Thorn, I have determined the responsible thing for me to do is resign as chairman of the board, effective immediately. I cannot allow my error in judgment to distract from our efforts and the children that we serve. He did further acknowledge that his letter in support of his longtime friend, who, if you remember, ultimately was sentenced to 30 years to life in prison, undermined the organization's efforts. He went on to say, as you know, I have worked for 15 years to fight for people who are sexually exploited. Victims of sexual abuse have been historically silenced, and the character statement I submitted is yet another painful instance of questioning victims who are brave enough to share their experiences. This is precisely what we have all worked to reverse over the last decade, end quote. The 45-year-old's resignation from Thorne is coming a week after the letters that he and his wife, Mila Kunis, 40 years old, penned to the judge presiding over Masterson's sentences. Those were made public. In documents obtained by Entertainment News, Kutcher described Masterson, who was convicted on two counts of rape back in May, by the way, he's still denying all wrongdoing. He described him as an excellent role model who has been nothing but a positive influence on me. In the face of the criticism over their support for Masterson, Kutcher and Kunis released a video message back on September the 9th to apologize for the pain that has been caused by the character letters we wrote on behalf of Danny Masterson. Okay, sadly though, I watched that video and I posted the link in my previous episode. It was really uncomfortable to watch. These people are actors, but the delivery was so wooden. It sounded forced. There was like no passion in it whatsoever. And I'll be honest, I actually kind of don't believe them. I believe they're sorry that their letters got made public. I think that's really what it is. That's the part that struck me was that when Kutcher said in the video they were intended for the judge to read, translates to me as nobody else was supposed to see this. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Regardless of anything else, the optics on this just looked really bad for Kutcher, and I, I do kind of feel bad for him. I think he may have made an error in judgment in regarding writing those character letters, thinking, you know, he's trying to help out his friend who has a family, He's got a wife and daughter, but he it's like he almost forgot or didn't think it was going to affect his work with Thorne. And I'm really hoping his departure doesn't affect the work. I think they're doing something extremely important, but I do now have to wonder, was taking the risk of backing their BFF Masterson, was, was it worth the backlash and what's going to be their future in Hollywood? Is the man formerly known to support victims now going to be painted with a similar brush as Masterson. Time's going to tell for this one, and I'm watching for more updates because, y'all, this story, it's not over yet.
Well, well, Gary Busey is back in the news. He's been made fun of for his teeth for years. So what did he do now? Okay, so apparently the 79-year-old actor is being accused by an unidentified woman. She's claiming that he hit her back bumper while exiting a Malibu shopping center and then drove away from the scene without exchanging insurance or contact information. The, in- the incident was first reported by TMZ. The woman apparently filmed this entire interaction and she gave the video to TMZ. So they provided a transcript. She starts shouting, the, this lady who's unidentified, she starts shouting, you hit my car. I need your information, sir. You hit my car. Busey turns to look at her and the camera before trying to speed away. And she got photos of the, the scuffs and the scrapes on her car. Subsequent footage shows the woman actually was able to catch up to him and started demanding his details, saying, you hit my car. You have scuffs all over your car. I want the number. I want the information. She starts panning down, shows the damage on his bumper. Busey replied in that he had progressive insurance, but he declined to offer any further information because he's a private citizen, unquote. He can then be seen stepping back into his car and closing the door. The lady continues, it doesn't matter. You hit me. You hit my car. You rear-ended me. You can't hit someone and leave. That's not okay. Then, Busey is seen driving away with Beach Boys Wouldn't It Be Nice blaring via the car stereo. Okay, nice song choice, but probably would have been better if he'd have played I Get Around. Round, round, get around, I get around, yeah, get around, round, round, I get around. That's the spirit. So, a spokesperson from the state, the police station confirmed the report that Busey did leave the scene and he didn't give out his information. But they went on to say that when detectives contacted him at his residence, he provided them with a statement, his insurance vehicle driver information. And according to police, look, the woman doesn't actually want to press charges against him for leaving the scene. She just wants to be compensated for the damage to her car. So... He's not facing charges this time. Wouldn't it be nice if we could all avoid that when we leave the scene of an accident? Just saying. Wouldn't it be nice if we were older Then we wouldn't have to wait so long And wouldn't it be nice to live has done made some peoples in Hollywood man. Drew Barrymore announced plans last week for her daytime Emmy winning show to resume production without its three writers Guild of America writers who along with the rest of their union have been on strike since May. You know demanding their higher wages, clearer contract provisions and more. The star quickly became the center of controversy. She earned a lot of criticism from the striking members of the Writers Guild of America and the sag After group, in addition to others in the industry. Following her decision uh, to start the show back up, the National Book Foundation also rescinded its invitation for Barrymore to host its annual awards event. That's a pretty big ouch. ouch. Her show actually resumed filming last week as picketers protested her choice outside of the CBS Broadcast Center over in New York. 
And some audience members said they were escorted out of tapings because they were wearing WGA branded pins. Now, a spokesperson for the show told Entertainment Weekly in a statement that Barrymore didn't know about those pins and the incident and that the team was in the process of reaching out to those audience members to offer them new tickets. Now, Barrymore initially defended her decision in a video that's now been removed that she posted and explained, look, this is bigger than me and there are other people's jobs on the line, unquote. Okay, that's a very fair point. But now, after days of enduring backlash surrounding her decision to resume the Drew Barrymore show, she's announced that she will no longer move forward with new episodes until the strikes are over. She wrote on social media, I have listened to everyone and I am making the decision to pause the show's premiere until the strike is over. I have no words to express my deepest apologies to anyone I have hurt and, of course, to our incredible team who works on the show and has made it what it is today. We really try to find a way forward, and I truly hope for a resolution for the entire industry very soon, unquote. Now, Barrymore is a member of SAG-AFTRA, and she insisted that the show's return was actually in compliance with not discussing or promoting film or television that is struck of any kind, while Barrymore herself wasn't in violation of the series' host because talk shows, they're under a totally different category. The writers would be in violation of the strike, so they would be the only ones who wouldn't be able to come back. I'm trying to help you. And look, it's now the full season for filming and for productions, and we've known about these strikes since May. We've talked about it at length here at the Starter Zone, and it seems like every week there's a new story. But I don't think it's really hit home yet for a lot of people just what kind of impact these strikes are having. So many reruns, so few productions going on, so many movie sets are closed, the list goes on. We've got a lot of people that are out of a job. It's not just the actors or the writers. You've got the producers, you've got the camera people, you've got the lighting people, you've got the, the roadies, the people that carry the equipment. All these people are now out of a job. And I haven't really been talking about it much lately just because there's just been no progress. The only things we've been hearing is just possible extensions of the strike into like the video game industry, the shutting down of some of the indie productions. These are productions that had been given exemptions prior. And I'm kind of mixed on my feelings about all this. I get what Drew is trying to do. She's trying to take care of what staff she has. She's trying to get them back to work. But by leaving the writers out, she's creating this chasm of sorts. One that really could be irreparably broken if there's a misstep in this. She's not the only one that's tried this. Bill Maher tried to restart his show. Uh, the show called The Talk, and Jennifer Hudson tried to do so as well. The only ones that I know so far that have successfully been able to restart their talk show programs was uh, Sherry Shepard, Tamron Hall, and the Kelly and Mark show. They're all in support of the strikes. The difference is their writers are not part of the Writers Guild of America. They're independents. So they were able to successfully restart, and hopefully more will be able to follow soon. But Stay tuned for more. This isn't over for sure. We're going to have more updates as it goes. Um, just kind of really sad to see that, that Drew Barrymore really got a lot of backlash for just trying to take care of people. 
but there were so many picketers and so many people that were just really mean and ugly about the whole thing. And, and I do get what their point was. It was just, I don't know. It just seems like there was a better way to handle it, but she's back down for now. So let's just look forward to when everybody's back on the air, right? Speaking of video games, let's talk some Payday 3 and Denuvo. So Denuvo is an anti-temper technology and a digital rights management system. And additionally, it's also like an anti-cheat solution. It stops people from cracking and pirating games. And it also identifies and bans cheaters in multiplayer games. All right, cool. It's common practice for PC games today to launch with Denuvo. But it's also common practice for developers to remove Denuvo several months after the launch of a game because, you know, interest and the risk of piracy will dwindle out. Less common, though, is a developer publicly announcing that it's removing Denuvo from a game before it even comes out. But that's the surprise that Starbreeze pulled on September the 15th. The developer wrote in a post on Steam, Hello, heisters. We want to inform you that Denuvo is no longer in Payday 3. That's it. That's the message. Klaatu! Mirada! <laughs> okay, then. That's it. At least in Payday 3, I'll get to play with the boomstick. That'd be fun, right? Denuvo has a long had this reputation for hindering performance in these games, and bloating these executables through though the company behind it insists that no that's not the case but you know of course they're gonna say that denuvo has also been criticized for high cpu usage and excessive writing operations on these storage components so basically they're saying that solid state drives have a significant lifespan reduction when denuvo's run on the on the system now denuvo software solutions again denied the claim but it's been documented several times and apparently in the case of Tekken 7 and Sonic Mania Plus Denuvo caused a very significant decrease in performance in several parts of the game Payday 3 fans and players pointed out like two months ago look the game already requires people to be online and use a Starbreeze account which makes Denuvo seem like an unneeded extra layer of security so this decision and this announcement was met with resounding applause. And their hard drives probably breathed a sigh of relief too. I'm personally not thrilled about the online component of Payday 3. Uh, Raven and I played the heck out of Payday 2, and I'll admit, I'm a Clovermane. New game! Everybody pretends to be a nice rug. Winner doesn't get shot in the face! <laughs> yeah, she was a lot of fun. Anyway... The being online all the time component, it just, it reminds me so much of trying to play Diablo 3. Online only was such a mess. And I know that technology's come a long way and allegedly servers are, are a little more stable, but y'all, as the saying goes, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice.
Back on June 22nd, Square Enix launched Final Fantasy 16, but now reports are saying that Square has lost nearly $2 billion in value since that launch, and now there's doubts about the company's ability to recover. Shares in Square Enix have plummeted nearly 30% since Final Fantasy 16 came out. And it closed on September 13th at their lowest point since May of last year. The PlayStation 5 exclusive game sold 3 million copies during launch week, which it was a figure that sparked a debate online about whether it actually met sales targets or not. Now, Square Enix told IGN back in July that sales of 16 were extremely strong and insisted the game had sold well relative to the PS5 installation base. Now, IGN sources that are familiar with the performance of 16 confirmed sales had slowed considerably since launch, but the game wasn't considered a disaster. Earlier in September, Square Enix announced that Final Fantasy 16 is set for two paid DLC expansions, and they did confirm that a PC port was officially in development. Analysts have said Final Fantasy 16 failed to make up for the poor performance of previous flops such as marvel's avengers and forspoken and other various mobile games that were shut down soon after their launch the root of the problem according to sources is that producers were given full reign over the scope and direction of projects and these goals would shift and did shift without warning this of course caused a lot of volatility in the quality of the final product Doesn't she also say, too many cooks spoil the broth? Too many cooks indeed, it looked like. Well, Square Enix does have a new CEO, Takashi Kiryu, who intends to reduce the number of the smaller games that are in the works, and they're going to focus on these bigger budget games that have a greater chance of making an impact on the company's bottom line. Meaning they're going to refocus and look at these big games, and sorry, smaller games, you're going to get kind of shuttled off for a little while. I also think that a root of the problem could also be the lack of cross-platform availability, my opinion. Some people, look, they just can't afford every console known to man. Happy news, it looks like they're working on this PC port. Fantastic, truly. Very little sarcasm here, but how long is that port going to take? And is the player base still going to be there for Final Fantasy XVI? Square is really going to need Final Fantasy VII Rebirth to knock it out of the park. The nostalgia is very deep with this game. There's a lot of people that loved the first version of it, the the first part that they released. Then they're now really looking forward to the second part. The previews are showing Sephiroth in it, so the core base is all just jittery ready for it. But that's not coming out until February of 2024. miracle or you know a really good game release and some new focus so good luck mr curio you got a little bit of a long road ahead of you look for the bare necessities the simple bare necessities forget about your worries and your stress i mean the bare necessities so anybody out there know what does a bear take when they go on vacation because apparently things are so stressful that even the bears are going on vacation. September the 18th, 
there was a reported sighting of a wild bear in a tree at Disney World in Orlando, Florida, because, of course, it's Florida. And it triggered closures of several attractions at the Magic Kingdom. The bear was allegedly seen in a tree near the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad in Frontierland. And due to its proximity, Big Thunder Mountain was temporarily closed, along with a couple of other attractions, including Hall of Presidents, Liberty Square Riverboat, Tom Sawyer Island, Haunted Mansion, Jungle Cruise, and the Walt Disney World Railroad, which includes you know, Fantasyland, Frontierland, and Main Street. Not sure you guys want that bear jumping on that railroad, you know. But by 1 o'clock in the afternoon, many of the previously closed attractions had been reopened to the public. Uh, The Florida Wildlife Conservation Commission was called in. And they're pretty sure it was just a bear from Country Jamboree taking a break. Well, the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission said that the bear was just likely searching for food ahead of the upcoming winter hibernation season. In most cases, it's best for bears to be given space and to just move along on their own. But given this situation, the staff worked on capturing the bear and they're working on relocating it. So it didn't sound like it was more of a vacation, just, you know, Yogi Bear looking for some picnic baskets. The fastest way I know to get a picnic basket. It's time for the box office breakdown. Welcome back to our weekly review of the weekend's box office. Was the nun strong enough to hold off Hikiro Piro? Or was the haunting stronger in Venice? Let's find out, shall we? Well, I will say this. It was close. It was really close. The nun, too, managed to claim victory over the newcomer, A Haunting in Venice. The two films were competing for number one over the weekend, and it was just, it was back and forth. But the Warner Brothers thriller, The Nun 2, ever so slightly outpaced the competition. It took in $14.5 million. This is its second weekend. But Disney's murder mystery, The Haunting in Venice, inched closely behind. It had fourteen point three in its debut. A Haunting in Venice is the third of director Kenneth Branagh's Agatha Christie adaptations. A Disney in 20th century spent only $60 million on A Haunting in Venice. That's a much smaller price tag than they spent for Death on the Nile. That was a $90 million budget. Kenneth Branagh, Jamie Dornan, Tina Fey, and Michelle Yeoh starred in the film, which was ad- adapted from Agatha Christie's novel in 1969, I believe it was, called Halloween Party. The story follows a now-retired inspector, Hercule Poirot, who has to solve the murder of a guest on at the seance that he attended. In its sophomore outing, The Nun 2 just beat expectations and was able to hold on to the top spot. Denzel Washington's Equalizer 3 took third place at $7.23 million, while My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3 landed in fourth place, adding $4.7 million in its second weekend of release. But surprise, surprise, Greta Gerwig's blockbuster Barbie 
rounded out the box office charts with $3.5 million. This movie has remained in the top five for nine consecutive weekends. How much longer until Barbie's out of the top five? We'll wait and see. At least Oppenheimer's hanging out in the top ten. That's still pretty cool. But can the nun hang on? Or are we going to see something push it out? We are set to see the release of The Expendables 4 coming up this weekend on the 22nd. That has a strong possibility of taking the top spot. The Expendables saga has just been super exciting for fans. I mean, we get to see all these awesome action stars coming together. So I think this one actually has a chance of making the top spot this coming weekend. We're going to see. I'm going to go see it in theaters this weekend. So we'll see you there, right? And now for something different. Back when I was growing up, my mom always told me, keep it up and I'm going to give you something to whine about. Well, back on September the 10th, the people of Lavira, Portugal definitely had something to whine about. The streets of the small town were flooded with red wine after about oh, two storage containers filled with about uh, 2.2 million liters of wine burst at the local distillery. No, God, please, no, no, no. Well, an Instagram user by the name of Pitstore223 showed a video that shows the wine trickling down a main road in Lavira. But another video shared on social media showed a much more substantial river of wine gushing down a different street. Roads were inaccessible to the town's 2,500 residents due to the incident. The local authorities worked to divert the wine to a nearby river. No one, thankfully, was physically injured, but many, many emotions were hurt that day. The distillery called Distillaria Lavira issued a statement on September the 10th apologizing for the incident and vowed to cover the damages and all cleanup costs. They posted on Facebook, although the incident did not cause any injuries, we do want to express our sincere concern for the damage caused in general in Lavira, and in particular to your homes. The causes of the incident are being investigated by the competent authorities, and we take full responsibility for the costs associated with the damage cleanup and repair, with crews available to do it immediately. We're committed to resolving this situation as soon as possible. I did see the video, and I'll go and I'll make sure I drop the link down below into the comments so that you guys can see it too, because that was a lot of wine. A lot. Meeting 2.2 million liters, that's definitely nothing to sneeze at. I do feel bad, though, for the winery, you know, thinking about it. You know, okay, so we've got damage to property, and, you know, there's wine in the streets and such, but that's a lot of product that that winery just lost, and we don't know what happened to it. So I do have a question for all of you wine enthusiasts out there. I've heard that the best way to handle a bottle of wine is to let it breathe and get some fresh air. But do you think that letting it run the streets of a town might be a little bit of overkill? Well, there was definitely a whole lot of playing and a whole lot of shaking going on down in Arizona. Back on the 15th of September, a snake wrangler in Arizona was called to a home after they received a report from a resident 
of, you know, a snake or two in the garage. Okay, it's the desert area. No big deal. So Marissa Maki of Rattlesnake Solutions responded and found, well, a whole big mess. She ended up removing 20, that's a two and a zero, Western Diamondback rattlesnakes from this person's garage, including one that was pregnant. Those five adults and 15 babies. That is a lot of noisy nope ropes. Rattlesnake Solutions owner Brian Hughes said it was a new record for the most rattlesnakes removed in a single call. And he said the skin sheds in that garage indicated that at one point there may have been up to 40 snakes in that garage at a single time. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Yeah, that's one big heck no from me. That homeowner got super lucky that no one got bit. My guess, they either don't go into the garage that often or it's just super full, but dang, that's a lot of snakes. So the NFL season is off and running, but Aaron Rodgers is not. Maybe Colin can save the Jets, right? But we won't be hearing any Aerosmith live anytime soon, and it seems Aston Kutcher is back under the microscope for now. We got some bears in Disney, wine in the streets, and snakes in the garage. Time to watch your step, everyone. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. I do want to remind you, I include the links to all of my sources in the comments so you can see what I see and more. Also, don't forget to drop a comment or send us an email if there is a story you want us to cover. Join us next time as we check out the latest in the entertainment news. Remember, stay comfy in that starter zone, my friends. This is Amanda. Good luck and have fun. Listening to The Starter Zone with Amanda. I am Raven. We thank you for your time and support. Without you, we simply would not be. Please hit that like and subscribe button and visit us on Facebook and Twitter at The Starter Zone. Have we missed something? Have something to say? Leave us a comment or send us audio clips for your chance to be on the show. We invite you to come back for more exciting news and commentary on the world around you. See you next time in the Starter Zone.